This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. But it's so good to be here today. That music, I was, I told Debbie, I said, you know, I, I get the privilege of traveling to a whole lot of churches, and I said, my goodness, that blew me away. That was so fantastic, and thank you for leading us in worship, and I'm glad there's nobody on the front row except for my wife, because it's really close up here, and uh, this is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you know that. I grew up in a real small Pentecostal church. I'm liable to go all Pentecostal today, and it would be dangerous for these folks that are here. Uh, I also want to welcome uh, Ken and Kathy Roseboro. Kathy, would you raise your hand, Ken? Will you raise your hand and just kind of wave? Kathy uh, has worked for us at Seacoast for uh, 19 years and 10 months and a few days, so it's almost 20 years. I looked that up, uh, and uh, she's from here. Uh, in Albemarle, and uh, some of you may know her and her family, but she's been my assistant for a long time, and uh, it's just an honor uh, to have them with us. Um, always like to tell you, my, my wife Debbie is here, and I just love having her. She, she doesn't fly much, but when we drive, and you don't fly much right into Albemarle. We just couldn't find the <laughs> flight, and so I said, babe, will you come with me, and she did, and so it's, it's just a treat for us. And um, we have four kids and 14 grandkids. They all live right around us. I think we got a picture. Do you have a picture of that? Okay. All right, let me, let me comment on this just a little bit, okay? This is, uh, this is two or three years ago uh, on our back porch, but uh, there, we do blonde, okay, as you can see. And uh, the, uh, the one on the far right, right-hand side, we're hoping she's going to come to Jesus. You know, we... <laughs> We really are, and I think it's going to happen. Uh, the little guy in the middle, see the guy in the seersucker jacket? Now, that's a Charleston outfit right there. He is a pistol. So let me tell you a little something about him, okay? And you can turn the picture off because nobody will look at me again. Oh, that's up there. So um, his mother, his name is Kingston, and his mother, is uh, she believes in essential oils. Is there anybody here that believes in essential oils? I mean, uh, they're amazing. Uh, Apparently, if you diffuse, and I looked a lot of this up, if you diffuse the right flavor, or I don't know what they call it, (laughs) smell uh, in your kids' rooms early enough, they could grow up to be president. I mean, it's just, it, (laughs) it cures sickness. It's the best thing since Jesus. And uh, so... So his mama was diffusing, Jenna is her name, and she was diffusing essential oils, some of these great things uh, in his room. And uh, one day she came into his room. He was about three years old at that time. She came into his room, and, and uh, it just smelled terrible in there. And she could not figure it out. And it took her, Deb, what, nearly 24 hours, I think, to figure out what the smell was. And he had no idea. He had no idea what was going on when she asked him. And come to find out, Kingston had peed in the diffuser. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that much about essential oils at the time. 
But I looked up a diffuser to see if you could do that by accident, and you can't. You got to have a plan. And uh, so I was proud of that boy. And so, and so for for about 24 hours, they were diffusing non-essential oils. Okay. And she was absolutely surprised by that whole thing, as you can imagine. Have you ever been surprised? Sure we have. How many of you were surprised by the year 2020? Anybody? You know, I can remember the predictions that we were, you know, people were making predictions. 2020, you know, especially pastors. We all teed up 2020 vision messages, you know, at the beginning of the year. How wonderful it was going to be. Well, not so much. Not so much. A swing and a miss on that whole deal. Um, you know, uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, one prediction was that 2021 will be less terrible than 2020. <laughs> After about two weeks of 2021, I wanted to get my 15-day free, re, uh, free uh, refund for my free trial for the new year. But anyway, um, we're moving into a new season. Are you guys glad we're moving into a new season? Uh, I was, uh, th this week, um, uh, I was reading that the coronavirus is at all-time low. Well, not all-time, but I mean lows. You know, I mean the, the lows in America are, are amazing. And and the CDC announced just uh, I think a week ago Thursday that you know you didn't have to wear masks everywhere if you didn't want to. You could if you could if you, if, if you wanted to, and if you were vaccinated and all of that. And so I remember that day walking into Lowe's for the first time in a year without a mask. I felt like a, a, a criminal or, or something, but <laughs> I walked in. And I honestly nearly cried because I thought, we're, we're going to get back. We're going to get back to normal. And I know you guys are moving into a new season here as a, as a church as you're moving out of this and into you know, a larger uh, facility. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what we know about this church, what we know about each one of us individually uh, in the new season, the next season that's coming for us. How many of you are thankful that there are seasons, that, that, that where you are just doesn't last forever? That's one of the, that's one of the things that, uh, one of the only things I think we don't like about living in Charleston is you don't have seasons there. You know, I mean, it, it, it's kind of nice all the time. Maybe it's a little hot during one of the seasons, but I grew up in Colorado where we had all four seasons, and I grew to love the different seasons. And so I want to talk to you just a minute about about the next season, I want to give you three things, okay? And here's the first one. I know that there will be blessings for you and blessings for this church in the next season. God is going to bless you. Now, how do I know that? Because God's nature is to bless. In fact, let's go through some scriptures. In, in Psalm 145 and verse 9, it says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on some of what he has made. Is that what it says? No, it says all. God is good to who? Everybody. All. God's good to everybody in here. God's desire, his nature is to bless. Uh, Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you done that? You tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He said, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him because God's nature is to bless. In Matthew 7 and verse 7, it says, Jesus said it this way. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And so the point is just simply this. In this next season, God's going to bless you. There is going to be blessing in the season to come. Now, the measure of blessing in this new season is largely dependent on us. Let me explain what I mean by that. The blessing of God is oftentimes tied to obedience. Okay, And that's our part. God wants to bless us, but how much he blesses is largely depending on us. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 is what's called uh, the, the Shema. And uh, in Jewish culture, uh, everybody learns this scripture. This is a scripture you pass down to your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. And it's kind of a liturgical prayer. And it starts out like this. It starts out, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. It's arguably the most important verse in all of this, the Old Testament especially, but probably the entire Bible. God is one, and we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. And then just a couple of verses before that, it says this. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey. Say obey. obey. You must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you, let's say this out loud together, obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to, let's say this one, obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Is there a key word in that whole scripture at all? I think it's called obey. It's obey. Yeah, he says, if you will obey. Now listen to this next one. Then just a couple of chapters later in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 7, it says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. God was bringing them to Whole Foods. You guys don't have Whole Foods here, do you? I wondered if that line would work. <laughs> God's bringing them into this, this place of what? Abundance. He says, man, things are going to be even better than you ever thought of. And then he goes on and he says, it's a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Now, I was uh, looking into that just a little bit to see what's the significance of that. I mean, we get, we've got this land with all this food and all this good stuff, and, 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 and then there are going to be hills that, where, where rocks are, are all around that are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Well, if you uh, kind of look at history of when this was written, copper was the, was the currency of the Bronze Age. Okay, they're, they're between one season and another season. The Iron Age and the, bron and, and the Bronze Age. And uh, he said, okay, in the Iron Age, there's going to be plenty of iron around. But what's coming 
is the, is the uh, uh, Bronze Age, and copper is the currency of that. And so what he's saying, he says, I'm going to take you into a land. I'm not only going to give you food and all that you need in abundance, but I'm going to give you a tech advantage, okay? You're going to have the thing that is so important and so critical in this, in this, uh, in, in this age. And he also says this. He says, you can dig it out of the hills. Now, it, one of the things he's saying is that you've got to be willing to go after it. You've got to be willing to go get it. I'm going to give you an advantage, but you've got to be willing to go get it. And here's what I want to say to this church, Vortex Church. Um, we do this a lot at Seacoast, just every once in a while. We feel like we just really need to dig down and really dig in and, and connect. I want to give you a 90-day um, a challenge, and that's this. Over the next 90 days, what if, let, let, let's say we took June, July, and August. I know that's vacation time. That's all right. But what if we, what if we took those three months to really dig in, okay? We're going to dig in and see if God will bless in the way that he's talking about. In other words, do everything you know to be right, all right? Jesus says it like this. In fact, uh, I believe this, this next verse is the shortcut to success. I have a philosophy in life. This is free for you guys. I'm not going to preach this. But if you do four things in life, I believe you'll be a success, regardless of what, of what it is. Number one is you seek God first, okay? Number two is you treat people right. Number three is you work hard. And number four, you don't do anything stupid, okay? You do those four things. And I really do. I've got a whole teaching on, on that. But, you know, there is a shortcut to success in life. And Jesus talks about it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will what? He will give you. He will bless you. He will give you the things that you need. And so I want to challenge you. 90 days. Do the next thing that you know is right. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's giving God the, the first 10% or the first part of your finances. Maybe it's God has made it real clear, I need community. I need community. Maybe you need to join a small group of people. You're going to do it for, for 90 days and see how it works out. You know, uh, maybe it's just digging into God's word. And you're going to say, God, give me a 90-day plan. For the next 90 days, I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I know to be right. Okay? Because blessing follows obedience. We, God is going to bless us. I believe that in the next season. The, the amount that he's going to bless us will be determined largely by the obedience that we give him. Does that make sense? And so that's, that's the first thing that I know about the next season for you and for this church. There will be blessing in the next season. You're not going to like this one quite as well, okay? Number two, there will be challenges in the next season. Does anybody have a testimony on that? Yeah, challenges. Jesus said to his disciples, he sits them down, he says, we're getting ready to transition into a new season. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. They didn't understand any of that. Didn't get it. But he's trying to prepare them for it. And he said, listen, in this new season, in the world, you will have trouble. That's where we need a testimony. Anybody have a testimony? Anybody live through 2020? <laughs> you will have trouble. You were made, you were created to live in a garden. God created Adam and Eve to live in this place of abundance and and blessing, but there will be times when you will be in a wilderness, literally fighting for your life. And this past year felt like that uh, for, uh, for 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 me. 
as, as we were going through, I, I stopped and I talked to Debbie a little bit about it uh, about four or five months into um, 2020. And I said, I've been in ministry for 40 years. I know it doesn't look like I'm that old, but, <laughs> but, but I started at 12, you know. <laughs> but I've been in ministry for 40 years. I told her, I said, I have never seen a tougher leadership ministry challenge than I've seen over the last few months. See, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, you had, we'll go back to Seacoast a little bit. We, we were coming off of a great high. We had built this beautiful uh, new building in our original broadcast campus, and it would seat 2,500 people, and, and it filled up with one service, and then it filled up with two services, and it was starting to fill up with three services. And, and we had an art conference that was coming for the very first time uh, it, uh, to Charleston. Uh, uh, things were, were going great. And then we hit the perfect storm of a pandemic, of crazy politics, and of racial tension in our country. And it felt like we were in a wilderness fighting for our lives. You guys probably felt some of that here too. Uh, it was, I mean, I read an article by, by a friend of mine that said, how to lead a church where nobody agrees with anybody on anything. <laughs> I, would get, I would get emails that would say, why do we have to wear masks? I would get other emails that say, um, why aren't we wearing masks? There aren't enough people in the church wearing masks. And why aren't we you know, waving the flag for this political person? And why aren't we waving it for this one? And, and on and on and on. And, and uh, uh, I... I'm a little bit of an introvert, but my custom and habit is after services is to go out into the foyer and shake hands with people. You know, I just want to, you know, hey, me, I can't know everybody in a large church, but I want to do for a few what I can't do for everybody, and I go out and kind of meet some folks. And for about three or four weeks in a row, I never came out of the green room, and Debbie says to me, you're normally out in the foyer. Why, why aren't you out there? And I said, the foyer's not a safe space for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like people were giving me notes and, 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 and sending emails that said, have you heard this preacher? This preacher is wonderful. You should be more like them. And, and, and I finally got fed up with it and said, you know what? What if you said to your wife, you should look at her. She's awesome. You should be more like her. How do you think that would fly? Would that live well for you? No, and it doesn't live well for me either. But it was an, it was an incredible, it felt like we were in a wilderness as pastors. And you probably felt the same way in so many areas, fighting for our lives. The scripture, uh, uh, Jesus in John 12, he's saying, and he's pre predicting, he's talking about himself, but I think we can apply it to us. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds, and anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. One of the things, things he's saying is that there is something about living that needs to embrace dying. And I know during the difficult seasons 
that we had over the last year. There were some things within me that died. There were some things that are, are still living that still needs to die. And I believe in the next season, there will be some things that you will need to die to. Selfishness needs to die. Would you agree with that? Anger needs to die. Fear needs to die. Greed needs to die. Racism needs to die. And often it happens in the desert. The things that prevent us from living in freedom that we were made for need to die. And oftentimes we, we resist that, and yet that's what's blocking the blessing of God in our lives. And so there will be blessings in the next season, and there will be challenges in the next season. And I want to give you one more. Some of our biggest blessings in this next season will come from the biggest challenges that we have. Some of our biggest blessings will come from our biggest challenges. Let's look at Isaiah 35 and verse 1. Israel, uh, kind of some background with this, Israel uh, is in a really difficult season, a really challenging season. And uh, they are under occupation uh, from an outside force. They've been forced to leave Jerusalem, and they're in a faraway place. And, and a prophet of the Lord, Isaiah, comes. And he says, even in the wilderness and desert, will be glad in those days, in the next season. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The desert will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. I want you to think about this. Where will God display his glory in the desert, in the wasteland. And he, and he says this. He says, in the desert, and uh, anybody ever been to Israel? It, there's plenty of desert there to uh, kind of, they, they knew what he was talking about. And he says, in the desert, here's what I see. Prophetically, he sees what we, we call now a super bloom. We did a whole series in our, in our church at the beginning of the year about super bloom because our pastor, Josh, uh, really felt like uh, that we were going to see a super bloom uh, among us in the in the season to come. And it's what Isaiah said. A super bloom is when uh, you've got a desert area where you normally wouldn't have uh, greenery, you normally wouldn't have flowers, but there are some catastrophic events that happen, and all of a sudden the entire desert blooms. And so he says, that's, that's what he saw. He said, the glory of the Lord is going to come, and it's going to come in the wilderness, in the desert, and it's going to bloom. Some of our biggest blessings are going to come out of our biggest challenges in the next season. I, I will never forget Thanksgiving of 2018. Uh, my youngest daughter, Jenny, who I believe was 36 at the time, um, uh, announced to us that uh, she had tested positive for cancer, breast cancer. And my mother had died uh, in 1991 way too young of an aggressive form of breast cancer. And so just saying those words for us was just, there was just like fear that came and just a terror that came uh, in, in, inside. And so we do everything as a family. Uh, we, we all live uh, in the general area and Jenny had to go to the doctor, so we just brought the whole family with us. And, and uh, fortunately the doctor uh, uh, was a part of the church and 
And, uh, but she sat us down and she talked to us about what the next year would look like. And she said, first of all, I just want to tell you, uh, we have great hope. We have tremendous hope. It's not like when your mother uh, had this and, and, you know, the doctors and medicine and science has, has come so far. And she said, we think it's, it'll be about a, a year's um, uh, process and this, it'll kind of look like this. And, and I like to, you know, I'm, I'm positive and I like to take best case scenarios, you know, and there were several places where she said it could turn this way or turn this way and this will make it shorter and this will make it a little bit longer. But we believe at the end of it, uh, it's, we're going to have, we're gonna have a, a good report. And uh, at every one of those turns, uh, we had... Um, we had, we had challenges. We had worst case scenario to everyone. And it took closer to two years than one year. But I'm here to report today that my daughter is well. And uh, she's free of cancer. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing. But here's what happened to our church in the middle of the lowest time for our family in decades. Is that um, uh, we always begin our year with 21 days of fasting and prayer. And so my son Josh, who's the lead pastor now, he said, Dad, what, do you, what would you think? If we, uh, at the end of 21 days, if we would have like a fourth Wednesday, because we start on first Wednesday, we, what if we had a fourth Wednesday prayer and healing service? And uh, we'll, we'll pray uh, for Jenny and believe that God will, will heal her. I said, well, that's great. And then he said, and there are a lot of other people that probably need touched by God too, but we'll just throw everybody in. And I said, that's great. But if we're going to announce a healing service, we better really have faith that somebody's going to get healed. You understand what I'm saying? And, and uh, so we did 21 days of fasting and prayer, and, and we had our first Wednesday service. And uh, our, our weekend services are kind of like yours. We have to do multiple ones, and so they're about an hour and five minutes or something like that. And first Wednesday, we're together for about an hour and a half, and we worship God, you know. And it's just a wonderful service. Well, this is fourth Wednesday, and I'm expecting about that length of a service, and God showed up in our service. Seven and a half hours later, Seven and a half hours later, over 200 people were healed. And it was one of these deals. It was crazy. Because we, we got done at about 1.30 in the morning. And, uh, and Josh uh, calls our executive team and says, we're going to have to have a meeting at 9 tomorrow morning. He says, we may have ruined our church. I, I don't know what happened, <laughs> but we may have just ruined our church. And so we got together as an executive team. We said, what are we going to do? How do we handle this? And so we divided up all the names that we thought that people had testified that they'd been healed. And we said, we're going to divide them up. We're going to call them and say, are you still healed? Have you, have you been to a doctor? Has the doctor verified? And y'all, it was amazing. We had another one six weeks later. And uh, we, had, uh, we could only fit at that point 1,300 people in our building. And we had 3,000 people show up. People would, would park at the parking uh, a shopping center next door and wait until some people came out and they would come in so they could be prayed for. That service was eight hours long, if you can imagine. Eight hours, I never heard anything like this in my life. In the middle of the wilderness and the darkest seasons for us, God showed himself in amazing, amazing ways. My daughter didn't receive that kind of healing. See, I believe this. I believe everybody is healed. There may be people here today who are sick in body in some way. Everybody's healed in one of three ways. Either there's a miracle, and we saw miracles. There's a miracle of medicine, and that's what my daughter received. Or there's the miracle of, of going home with Jesus and being totally healed. Of, and I just buried a friend of mine not, not over a week ago 
like that. But everybody is healed. Everybody is healed. So that's all we knew how to pray. In the middle of our darkest season. Let me give you one more story and I'll quit. Uh, I did a memorial service two days ago in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, it was of one of my best friends. And uh, because of COVID, the memorial service had to be delayed for a year. On May the 3rd, 2020, Darren Patrick, a friend of mine, and one of our teaching pastors preached an amazing message online. And on Thursday of that week, he took his own life. And uh, it was devastating. He and I had dreamed together. Uh, Pastor Kevin had just, uh, as he was introducing me, mentioned the fact that Darren was one of the ones that really brought him into this idea of church planting. He was one of the more popular uh, pastor preachers, one of the greatest preachers in, in America. And we had dreamed together of, of helping pastors, and, and then he, he dies. I, I, I didn't have time to grieve, um, just get into leadership mode with the family, and uh, we couldn't do a funeral. And uh, uh, wh wh while the need grew for helping pastors, and I said just earlier, this has been the biggest leadership challenge in 40 years I've seen for pastors. The dream died in me. I thought, who are you? How can you, how can, how can you lead pastors when you couldn't even lead, lead your own friend? Let, let, me, let me say a word about this because Kathy has helped me with this over the years. When I heard that voice in my head, was that Jesus? No. That was the enemy trying to destroy the work that he wanted to do. So every once in a while, Kathy will, when I'll say something, she'll say around the office, she'll say, who told you that? I say, go back to your office. Go back to you telling me that stuff. Later in the summer, I got a, uh, an email from a man in Charleston who said, uh, I've got 80 acres, beautiful land on the water near Kiowa where they're doing the golf tournament this year, um, and I want to give it to you. Are you interested in it? And I said, I've got to pray about it. Yes. And the dream began to rekindle, that we would have a place where we could, we could help people. And now that land didn't materialize. How many of you know sometimes free is too expensive? But God gave us another piece of land that was even more beautiful. And we closed recently on 66 acres. And then a family in the church bought a piece of land right next door and said, you can have this one too. And so we've got 100 acres on the water in Charleston where we're bringing in um, pastors for retreats, uh, Pastor Kevin came into our second re retreat. We've 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 already uh, had um, uh, 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 forty-five uh, pastors uh, come in over the last month and a half, and we're going to have another group of fifteen this week. So we'll have sixty, and two weeks from now we'll have so we we will have ministered to seventy-five leaders, and it's it's it really is world-changing, y'all. We we see. We, we, we take them fishing, we have fun, and then at night we, get, we, we ask the Holy Spirit to come among us. And it is an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. It came out of one of my deepest sorrows. Because I believe that God, in this next season, I don't know you well, but I do believe that, that this next season is going to bring, bring many blessings because that's who God is. 
And there are going to be some challenges because that's who the enemy is. We're not in heaven yet. This is just our album while it's real close. <laughs> but it's not heaven. You're going to have challenges. But some of your biggest blessings will come from the greatest challenges. Jesus sat down with his disciples and he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But here's the second half of that verse. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And some of you uh, right now, some of us may be in a, a real difficult place right now. You know, you, you're looking for the blessing, but it's a huge challenge right now. Maybe it might be a huge challenge with your family. It might be a huge challenge physically in your body. You may be facing a huge challenge relationally somewhere. It could be a huge challenge financially, career-wise. I'm here to tell you that as we obey God, as we lean in, as we do the next right thing that we know to do, that God will bring the biggest blessings out of some of your biggest challenges. Would you bow your heads right now just for a minute? I want to talk to, I want to talk to just a couple of couple of folks here today but first of all if that's you you're facing a big challenge right now would you just raise your hand you're facing a big challenge financially relationally in some area physically okay okay several of us I want to pray for you I also want to pray uh, you know I, I said go all in with Jesus how about we just take obedience to the nth degree and the first step to that is saying I'm going to put God first in everything in my life and some of us here have never, ever done that. And there are others of us here who there was a point where God really was first. And boy, he's kind of fallen down the list. And you want to re-up and just say, I want to rededicate myself to God. Would you just lift your hand if that's you? Just like, Okay, all right. I, I, I want to put God first or I want to rededicate myself to God. Great. Great. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for your kingdom. I thank you for the grace that you have for us. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful group of people in this place who've listened to your word. And now, God, we're saying yes to you. For some of us, and if that's you, you just say yes to God. I'm saying yes to putting you first place in my life. God, I'm saying yes to following you. God, I'm saying yes to trusting you with the difficult place that I'm in right now. And I look forward to your blessing and your peace and your grace. And God, I pray that your peace and your grace would, would settle in this place and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Come